0: planeswalkers i'm james and i'm paul and you're listening to the newest episode of the commander at arms podcast this week on the podcast we're going to break down all the brand new legendary creatures from dungeons and dragons adventures in the forgotten realm i'm so so excited for this one paul uh behind the scenes we have been looking at doing a brand new dungeons and dragons campaign with a couple of our friends because of this set And I am super excited to start that. Uh, I believe that's one's next week. But before we do anything else, Paul, we have our upkeep trigger. And this is the, this is like the favorite part of of the show for me. This is where we get to thank all of our patrons. Uh, Your support definitely helps to keep the lights on and us creating more content. If it's not here, it's on YouTube. And if it's not on YouTube, it's definitely here. Um, Yeah. If you want to become a patron and help us and support the channel, you can do that at patreon.com slash commander at arms. Um, mail day stuff, Paul. Have you gotten anything fancy in the mail? Have you found anything interesting? Or maybe even pulled something interesting?
1: Um... I haven't actually like purchased anything myself, but my mom for some reason, she was just like, "Hey, I saw this on Amazon and I got it." It was a collector's pack of Modern Horizons 2. I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's
0: cool." What? Um, yeah. That's insane.
1: I got a uh foil etched Gaia's Will, which is actually like one of my favorite cards in the set. So, that was pretty cool. Yeah, man, that's
0: awesome. That's a sick pull. I haven't uh opened anything recently or even bought anything recently actually um i did just sell some stuff though uh, i found out if you if you follow us on twitter you definitely found out my realization at how much a mistress bobble going for currently and i offloaded a playset of those uh on a facebook group that we are in paul and i now have money to go and buy some fancy new cards for my decks
1: yeah honestly <laughs>
0: It's, it's pretty funny how much magic
1: cards just reinvest into themselves. Like, oh, I'm going to sell these cards. And, like, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to buy groceries? No. I'm, I'm going to buy more cards. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well,
0: that's, that's how I afford my income, to, like, to keep going again. Like, to keep refueling my magic addiction, I guess, is just, like you know, using some of the the money that I sell my singles for to get sealed product, hopefully get better singles, so then sell those singles, so then buy more singles and more sealed product, and just, you know, keep that cycle train going, so I'm never actually really spending money money, I'm just reinvesting into Magic, and just getting the cards that I need for decks, and then just getting sealed product to get singles to pass on to everyone else. So, with all that said, uh, it's going to feel a, bit, a little bit, awkward i guess in the in, in the start here is uh i have we we have a new deck tech that i wanted to talk about but the deck tech is about a legendary creature that we're going to talk about in this episode so i'm going to shout it out now and then i'm going to shout it out again when we get to the card uh it's Driss du Erden. it's the selesnia i think it's an elf ranger um but comes out with a friend again we will talk about it when he comes up later on in the episode um but there is a deck tech for that legendary creature on the youtube channel so go and check that one out like the video subscribe to the channel hit the bell notification leave a comment in the comment section uh for the algorithm it really helps and just you know keep us help us you know keep going and fueling more people to to come and join the commander at arms family now paul i've played magic in the last week have you played Magic in the last week? Uh,
1: I'm not going to lie. I, I haven't even thought about playing Magic in the past, like, I don't know, month or so. And uh, it's nothing to do with me not liking the game anymore. It's just that, you know, sometimes in life you just uh you, you need some time to yourself just to kind of do other things. So that's kind of what I've been going through. But I will be hopefully getting back into it uh. Soon, um hopefully, maybe this week. I don't know. We'll see. Depends on uh, what happens throughout the week. We're supposed to be getting a pretty bad storm down here, uh, as far as I know. So I guess yeah. it turns out.
0: I uh I went to a Rays game yesterday. Quick little, you know, side story. I went to a Rays versus Indians game at uh in Tampa, and my phone would not stop going off with the uh the weather warning. So that was uh, it was interesting to just keep having my phone go off saying you know severe weather storms. So. We'll see how it goes in the next week or two uh, down here, definitely in the Floridian area.
1: Yeah. I think it actually got downgraded to a tropical storm or something. I don't think it's yeah. a hurricane anymore. Um,
0: I don't think it was ever really a hurricane. Anyway, this is totally off topic, Paul. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get back into topic here and let's move into our main phase one where we're going to start talking about all the legendary creatures uh, from Dungeons and Dragons, forgo- uh, adventures in the Forgotten Realm. And where's the best place to start with this? And that is with the five color cycle of, of monocolored dragons. So it wouldn't be Dungeons and Dragons without having five brand new monocolored dragons to talk about. And the first one I'm going to talk about here on the show is Inferno of the Stars Mounts. Now I believe this is just the translated name from a different language, so this one may change its name eventually when we get the actual English version of this card. Um, but it is a 4 Red, red, six, six legendary dragon that says this spell can't be countered. It has flying and haste and has an activated ability for one red mana. Inferno of the Star Mounts gets plus bond plus zero until end of turn. When its power becomes 20, this way it deals 20 damage to any target. It's honestly kind of
1: crazy to me that this is just like it's a six mana, six, six flying haste that can't be countered. If it didn't have any other text, this would be. A good card. To add on, like the fire breathing. Okay, so fire breathing is cool. Uh fire breathing for those of you who don't know or haven't been playing that long, fire breathing is a an older card. It was an enchantment that you would put on a creature and you could pay a red mana to give it plus one, plus zero. So whenever you see an ability like that, uh generally it's referred to as fire breathing. Um the fire breathing is cool, but the fact that if you pump it to 20 and it's not the ability that has to do all the pumping. If you, like, double its power and then pump it a few times up to 20, that works as well. Um, to to dome anything for 20 is kind of nuts. Uh, there's a lot of things that, like... Increased damage dealt in red. Um, There's a plethora of damage doublers, which means that instead of dealing 20, it's going to be dealing 40. Uh, Even without the assistance of that, like if you're able to proc that ability while attacking somebody and you just hit them in the face with it, that is 40 damage because it'll be at at least 20 and it's dealing 20. Kind of crazy on on a hasty body.
0: (laughs) It's a nutty card and I love it. What a really explosive way to start this episode.
1: Yeah, and not to mention that uh, hasty dragons uh have a history of being very prevalent in standard so honestly i don't think this one will be any different especially since it can't be countered which is like a really good uh finisher for maybe like a teamer or like a Jeskai guy control e deck it's too bad we don't we don't play standard here paul we, play we don't man, play standard
0: though. but uh <laughs> we do
1: care about prices of cars which is we why do. i'm mentioning that because uh it'll affect the price somewhat
0: so i guess if you pick this card up and uh if, if you pull this card Awesome. If you need to pick it up for a deck or something, maybe just try and uh, get the cheapest possible price for that one. Um, the next one we have is the Mono Black Dragon. It is Ebon Death Dracolich, two and two black for a five-two legendary creature, Zombie Dragon with Flash and Flying. That says when Ebon Death, Ebon Death Dracolich enters the battlefield tapped. Sorry, he enters the battlefield tapped. Uh, you may cast. Uh, ebon death Lich from your graveyard if a creature not named ebon death Lich died this turn
1: the wording on this one is honestly it was a little confusing to me at first so i ass- i assume it's confusing to other people out there as well um it doesn't care if it itself died that turn as long as a creature other than itself died that turn so even if it and another creature died that turn as long as something not named ebon death Draco Lich died you can cast this from your graveyard, and that's an important distinction because it lets you do some pretty wonky things with. Uh, uh, since as a zombie, you can do like pretty wonky things with like Gravecrawler, because they both like Draco Lich lets you get Gravecrawler back, and Gravecrawler dying lets you get Draco Lich back, which then lets you get Gravecrawler back. You can do some pretty nutty stuff. Um, it's a very I don't want to say stacky. I mean, it can go stacks, but it's a very value intensive card. Uh, as are as is anything that lets you get it back from the graveyard with very little downside, if any. Um, and I actually came up with uh, an infinite combo within seconds as soon as I saw this card. For those of you who are curious, uh, if you want to do degenerate things, uh, Evan Death, Gravecrawler, the two cards I already mentioned, uh, Ashnod's Altar, another card that we have mentioned before many times, and either Mycosynth Lattice or the other card from M twenty one that I can't remember the name of, James, do you remember the name of that?
0: Chromatic Ori.
1: Chromatic Orry. That card. Uh, any co- uh, so the Ashlands alter the Gravecrawler and Ebon Death, and then either Microsynth Lattice or Chromatic Ori is infinite mana, and then you can spend it on whatever you want because they let you spend mana as though it were mana of any color. Go nuts. I don't know. Do what you want with that. I'm not doing it, but. Uh it would be kind of cool to see other people do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'd do it, but it requires me to build another mono-black deck with one of these dragons, which I mean, <laughs> I could. I like doing degenerate things in Magic. You know this, Paul? Of course. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. It's Icing Death Frost Tyrant. I always thought this card would have been like from judging from the artwork and like the color of the dragon and everything. I wanted this to be a blue card, but it's not. It's a white card. So it is two and two white for a 4 3 legendary creature dragon with flying and vigilance. And when Icing Death Frost Tyrant dies, create Icing Death Frost Tongue, a legendary white equipment artifact token with equipped creature gets plus two plus zero. When equipped creature attacks, tap target creature defending control player controls and equip two.
1: There's a lot about this card that bothers me, to be honest. And uh, for those of you who tuned into the last episode, we actually. Uh... This was one of the cards that uh, Mark Rosewater teased on his, uh, you know, the thing he does before each set. Uh, there's a lot of things that bother me about this. First of all, of course, it is the weakest of the five dragons in my opinion, and of course, it is white. So, like, come on now. <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, it I know for flavor reasons, the equipment had to be legendary, but it just makes this card, in my opinion, like especially compared to the other war dragons very weak because you can't have more than one of this dude's tongue and again i know for flavor reasons it has to be that way because there's only one icing death there's only one icing death's tongue or whatever uh but the equipment itself is so weak that it's actually very detrimental to the card itself if the equipment was better then this card would be better but the fact that all it does is give plus 2 plus 0 and tap a creature like uh, it, it it doesn't it doesn't do enough for me like bone splitter is a one mana equipment that equips for one that gives plus 2 plus 0 the fact that this you have to have this thing die and the equip cost is 2 instead of 1 like bone splitter I'm pretty sure it's one anyway just to be able to tap a creature that that, that player controls like it doesn't it, it, it's just extremely weak to me if it would at least tap it and then not make it untap during its next untap step that would be good that would be much better but as it stands right now i honestly just i don't see this card
0: doing a whole lot i didn't realize we were here to bash on white more but <laughs> i'm not trying I to it. bash on white <laughs> i mean i understand i mean it would have been nice to see maybe the blue uh dragon be the weakest one this time but i mean it is the white one let's let's be honest um i don't even have it i don't even have like an argument to to defend this card either i think I'm in the same boat as you. It, It's four mana. It then, when it dies, it puts a legendary on the field. You then equip it for two. It gets plus two, plus zero. I mean, that's not all that fantastic. It's not like, man, if I can find a way to make this creature a 20-20, I'm going to deal 20 damage to something, you know? Like, that's just <laughs> so much more exciting to me than I get a legendary equipment. I mean, I guess, like you said, flavor reasons and story reasons-wise and stuff like this would be really cool and really fun to be like, ha-ha, this thing died and I cut out its tongue and now I'm going to equip that tongue to a a soldier, and that soldier's going to go off and do, you know, magnificent battley adventures and stuff, and go on and so forth and everything, but I just, I mean... It would have been know.
1: way cooler if the equipment had something to do with rolling dice for a check or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would have been really cool, because, you know, rolling dice is a part of this set, which it has Yeah, to exactly. Be. <laughs> so, let's move on now to the Blue Dragon, and I feel like... I'm just going to preface this one by saying I'm going to mess up maybe a lot of these names because uh, they are very uh, otherworldly and very dungeons and dragons-y, and I'm not really versed in pronouncing those names as I am versed in pronouncing magic names, and even then I'm, I mess up the magic names as just as much. So uh, I believe this is Imranth, Desert That's Doom. what I would say. Yeah. Three and two blue for a 5-5 five five legendary creature dragon with flying uh Imreth Desert Doom has Ward 4 as long as it's untapped. When Imireth dies, sorry, when Imreth deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Then if you have fewer than three cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference.
1: This actually reminds me a lot of Dragonlord Ojitai. Uh it's actually pretty similar for the most part, except that instead of having hexproof when it's untapped, it has ward four. Uh, four is a lot of mana to pay for something, so most of the time they'll be functionally the same thing. Um, and the combat damage ability is slightly different. When Dragonlord Ojitai deals combat damage, you get to impulse, which means that you get to not impulse, sorry, um, whatever that card's called. Everybody knows what I'm going to talk, what I'm talking about, but I can't remember the name of it. You look at the top three, you get to pick one, put it in your hand, then the the rest go on the uh, on the bottom. Uh, this card instead, you just draw a card. That's all. But if you have fewer than three cards, you get to draw cards equal to the difference. So just to explain how that works, like if you have zero cards in hand, uh, you'll draw a card. Then since you have only one card in your hand, you'll draw two more. You'll just draw up to three. Mm -hmm. Uh, The wording is intentional so that you always get to draw a card, at least one card. And the increased versatility as a trade-off for the sometimes it won't have quote hexproof end quote I think is a very reasonable one. I'm not sure which of the two I would prefer. I do think they perform largely the same function. They're both dragons. Uh, dragon Lord Ojitai is blue-white instead of just mono-blue. But uh, they are very similar. I think it's going to come down to a matter of preference between the two. But I'm
0: leaning more towards this one simply because the ceiling is a little higher. And it's a dragon. And it's new. You have to play with the new cards. You always <laughs> want the new and shiny things, right? And you it never is- go backwards. It is a
1: little weird to me to see the word desert on a blue card yeah that one, that's, that's why, me
0: out a little bit yeah i i feel like this should have been like the frost tyrant and then the icing death maybe desert doom still probably wouldn't work i don't know i'm not a hundred percent always versed in like uh forgotten realms lore so maybe there's a reason why they did it this way um they're probably better at explaining it than, than we are um
1: I will say, if you build an Imrit deck and do not include the card Desert in your deck for flavor reasons, shame on you.
0: (laughs) I mean, you have to, right? (laughs) It's just, it's, yeah, you have to. Anyway, Paul, let's move on to the next one. We have Old Norbone. It is 5 and 2 green for a 7-7 legendary dragon with flying that says whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, create that many uh, treasure tokens.
1: This card is absolutely absurd. It is just crazy. You're in green. You're going to have creatures on board. And Old Nabo doesn't care about itself dealing damage. I mean, it does in a way. But it, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't care what creature deals damage. You just get those treasures. Which means that if you cast Old Nabo on turn 7, and you have at least two creatures on the field, you're probably getting, let's say on average, about four to five treasures back when you connect with them. And with how much support green has gotten, and not just mono green, but like green in general, especially with a two-mana anthem in the last set, Modern Horizons 2, this could just be one of the most incredibly powerful mono green decks we've seen yet. Even even not just a mono green, like this card
0: just makes so much
1: mana it is absolutely ridiculous
0: is it really bad that as we're talking about this i really want to make this deck no i i, I wouldn't blame anybody for wanting to like make this. I, everybody loves mana in <laughs> my magical christmas land of this card um old norbone and um Frostfang Frostfang just really work together because i mean it's it wanting you to deal combat damage draw cards this thing's making you you know combat damage to make treasure tokens you're then like refueling your hand and you're getting extra mana to play those cards that you just drew into uh it's just crazy like i i love it and i don't really run high cmc commanders but maybe I can find a way to make a like really interesting, fun, mid rangey uh, old Norbone mono-green deck that just wants to swing out, attack, make big amounts of mana, and then do some fun stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd even run things like Gaia's Herald. I'd run Leyline of Life Force, I believe it is.
0: Life Force, yeah.
1: The one that makes creatures uncounterable. Oh yeah. I mean, just whatever I can do to make this thing uh, resolve and hit the field. Because like, it's uh, probably game over once it does.
0: Destiny Spinner makes all of your enchantments and your creatures uncounterable.
1: That's another one.
0: There, there's a lot of them out there.
1: Uh, I'd run Cavern of Souls and Just Name Dragon, even if it's the only dragon in my deck. Because like, the second this thing hits the table, if it doesn't die, which is a tall ask, I know. But still, it is quite a force to be reckoned with.
0: Oh, yeah. Do some Scoot Swarm action with this. Get a lot of little Scoot Swarms. Like you're in green, you've also got like Avenger of Zendikar to make a lot of plants. And then like like you said, there's the Anthem from last set that gives them plus. I uh, was at plus one, plus one, or plus two, plus two.
1: I think this also does pretty disgusting things with Adrix and Nev.
0: Oh yes, it would. Yes, it would because you would get two treasures. You'd get double. So if you did, if you dealt seven damage with this thing and Adrix and Nev on the field, you would get fourteen treasures.
1: Yeah, and then. There's another creature in Ajax and Nev that I think, like, the next time you make a token, it becomes a copy of a creature instead. Uh, Essex uh, Fractal
0: Bloom. That's the one. Is the the other face commander. Is one of the alternate commanders in the Quandrix Quantum deck.
1: Yeah, so you can do some pretty disgusting stuff with this card.
0: (laughs) Yeah, dude. I... I want to brew this deck. I think I'm think I'm gonna I'm gonna brew this deck for the probably the next deck tech that we do for the channel, uh, for the YouTube channel. <laughs> so uh, keep your ears and your eyes out for that one because old old Norbona's he's coming. He's he's gonna he's gonna be featured somewhere in our content and more than just this episode. Um, so let's let's move on now. We've done all of the dragons. Let's get into the mono-colored legendary creatures in this set. So we have. We have seven of them, and we're going to start off with a mono red commander. We have Delina Wild Mage. She's a three and a red for a three two legendary creature elf shaman that says when Delina Wild Mage attacks, choose target creature you control, then roll a d twenty. Uh, so if you're if the d I don't know really how to explain this, but if the d twenty result is one to fourteen. You create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of that creature, except it's not legendary and it has exiled this creature at the end of combat. If the result is 15 to 20, you create one of those creature tokens and roll again. So for space reasons,
1: they had to like shorten. They couldn't write the same text again. So when it says create one of those tokens, it's referring specifically to the token that you make for 1 through 14, and then you just get to do it again. Uh, this is... Kind of like a turbo helm of the host in a way. Um, I presume that uh Bruder-clad decks will love this. Um, the fact that the token is not legendary makes it particularly interesting with some uh ETB triggers that legendary creatures happen to have. Uh it also is pretty good with uh like old gnawbone, uh anything that deals that has a combat damage trigger, like Imrith. Um Anything that has an ETB, like I said, which you know, I'm, I don't have to name them here. Everybody knows all the ETBs that they use. It doesn't matter what it is, you know. Um, there's uh, there's a, there's a lot of a lot of cool things to do with this card, and even in mono red, like you can uh, you can make the token with Delina. Let's say you're playing like I don't know Kiki Jiki as your commander. You can make a token of a legendary creature with Delino that's not legendary and then copy that token with Kiki Jiki for another ETB or whatever the case may be.
0: It's too much value, Paul. Stop it. <laughs> 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 All right. So the next one we have on the list here is Grazalix Illithid Scholar. That was uh, that was a little hard to pronounce there. It is one blue blue for a 3-2 legendary creature horror that says, whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to its owner's hand Whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, and draw a card.
1: Deceptively amazing card. You get to block with impunity because it includes itself. So even if this thing gets blocked, you get to bounce it to your hand. You get to attack with impunity because you know there's no repercussions really. You just get to bounce it back to your hand no matter what. Uh, it draws cards for combat damage, which wink wink with Delina. You know you can make a second Krasilax and do some pretty uh, cool stuff there um it is a what is it called a mind flare? yeah is that what this thing's called or it's a it's a type of mind flare, which is one of my favorite creatures in all of D D. so i just love this card for that reason as well um and it also lets you rebuy etbs so you could play this in like your brago deck and like if somebody tries to block brago or one of your other like mini value creatures uh you just get to bounce it back to your hand and
0: recast it for the etb i love it i love it a lot I have nothing else to say besides that, because you you nailed everything. (laughs) There's nothing else for me to say, besides we can move on to the next one, which is Nadir Selfless Paladin. Uh, Two and a white for a 3-3 Dragon Knight with Vigilance. This is whenever Nadir Selfless Paladin enters the battlefield or attacks, venture into the dungeon, which means you get to enter the first room or advance to the next room of the current dungeon tile that you are on. And it also says when, uh, sorry, it also says other creatures you control get a plus one plus one as long as you've completed a dungeon.
1: Just a three mana, three, three vigilant creature at, an, at a bare minimum baseline uh, that also gets a, an, an ETB. I guess it depends what dungeon you're going into. I don't remember. There's three dungeons. I don't remember what the opening rooms are on any of them. So it also gets some kind of effect based on whatever dungeon you enter uh, it, and for that reason it is a versatile card because you get to basically pick uh, what ability you want it to have as it enters and once you complete that dungeon it's also an anthem and it doesn't matter when you complete that dungeon uh, you can complete it before this is on the field you can complete it when it's on the field if you get it back from the graveyard later as long as you've completed a dungeon it's just at all times a three mana three three anthem um, venturing into the dungeon uh, this is one of the only like repeatable ways I've seen to do it, because it, it's one of it ETBs or attacks. So that's kind of cool. Um, it is mono-white, so making an entire deck around solely this creature, probably a little on the tricky side, uh, but it is definitely something that I would run in the 99 of other mono-white or white-centric commanders. So I would run this in my Elishnor deck, for example, because it would be a 5-5 that also does other things. Um, I'd run it in... Well, there's a car that we're going to talk about later that really likes it, so I'll, I'll save, I'll, I'll hold on that until then. But in the yeah. meantime, I just think this is a, this is a 99er. Um, I do like the art a lot, though, and honestly, I would love a playmat of this art. Wink, wink. Hint,
0: hint. Wizards. Fulfill our needs, Wizards. Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the next car we have is another mono white commander. It is Oswald Fiddlebender. It's a 1 and a white for a 2-2 gnome artificer that has an activated ability, Magical Tinkering. 1 white and tap, sacrifice an artifact, search your library for an artifact card with mana value equal to 1 plus the uh, sacrificed artifact's mana value, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle, activate only as a sorcery. It's a birthing pod for artifacts. Yeah, on a mono white commando.
1: The only thing that is killing this card is the fact that it doesn't have red in it at all. If it was red, then uh whoa. James, what's that deck that you play? ready.
0: Doretti. Duretti,
1: Duretti. Duretti yeah. decks would absolutely go nuts over this card. Oh yeah. I'm not saying it's bad that it's in white. I'm just saying that if it wasn't red, it would probably be a little more hyped. But we did just have a series of Boros commanders slash cards that care about artifacts. And even in the past, before then, we have had uh, Boros decks that care about artifacts as well. Uh, So this will make a great addition to those decks. Um, It'll make people think a lot about their mana curve, or at least more than they did previously, because it'll be very important to have ways to, you know, go up the chain, so to speak.
0: Yeah, get a 1-drop into a 2-drop, into a 3-drop, into a 4-drop, into a yada 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 etc. Et into a
1: 5-drop, and most importantly into a 6-drop, because I assume that most artifact decks are going to be playing like a Microsynth Lattice or, you know, a Worm Coil Engine, some kind of big beater or some th- kind of big thing to do on 6.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not, again, not much else to say about that one. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's move on to the next one. Uh, t- speaking about big old beaters and wanting to do something, we have uh the Terraskew, I believe that's how you pronounce that one. It is six green, green, green. So nine mana for a ten, ten legendary dinosaur that says the Terraskew has haste and ward 10 as long as it was cast. When the Terraskew attacks, it fights target creature defending player controls. I've heard a lot of people talking a lot of crap about this
1: card. Uh, Yeah. Not talking crap, but they were upset that it didn't have trample. I mean, no, it just, is uh, a
0: ten ten dinosaur, pole that is ransacking a town, and doesn't have trample. I can I get, you can chump block this I, with a plant.
1: I get that. I I really do get that. And yeah, maybe it should have had trample. I mean, it is literally trampling an entire town in, in the in the art. And also,
0: but, um, it's being attacked by some sort of winged bird or winged angel. Why couldn't it have had reach? Because it's attacking one of the birds in the artwork as well so maybe have giving it reach and trample would have been better some sort of like evasion or something i mean ward 10 is cool and haste is cool but only if you cast it which my plan with this card was to play it in gishath and rip it off the top and not cast it and get a free 10 10 on the field but i don't know if i want it which really sucks because it's a big old dinosaur we haven't seen dinosaurs since rivals of ixalan and ixalan so haste
1: is a powerful keyword especially on a 10 10 especially if it's your commander. You know what's even more powerful than that, pull. What? Trample. Right. Well, (laughs) ward 10 also means that it's almost never dying to target removal anyway. And it does get to kill a creature that you get to pick when it attacks. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people are overlooking. Like, yes, it doesn't have trample. It doesn't have reach or whatever, but it is a removal spell every single time you attack. And in a game where people really care about having a particular creature on the field, i.e. their commander, I think that that is a pretty cool effect to have on a creature every time it attacks.
0: Look, stop trying to sway me against it. I hate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying it's good for, for Gishath, and as a matter of fact, it probably isn't, because like you said, you're, you're not looking to cast this thing. Yeah. But I'm just saying, as a standalone card, if this is your commander... Or if you're playing a big mono green deck that really just wants to cast big, stupid things, this is
0: an amazing card. I mean, realistically, this just goes into uh, Old Mawbone because when you attack, you get the removal part of it and then you get to swing in for 10 damage and make 10 treasures.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's exactly the kind of deck I'm talking about. It's just a deck where you want to make. Big old stupid things.
0: Yeah, you again, you're not swaying me to to love this card anymore, but I'm slowly coming around to putting it in the old Norbone deck list if you know when when we get around to it. It's it's in the sideboard, maybe. If it was the 101st card, I'd cut it, but maybe it's the 99th card. Alright, let's go to the next one, shall we, Paul? Yeah. So it's Varys Silvery Moon Ranger is one green green for a 3-3. Three, three, human elf ranger with reach ward one and says whenever you cast a creature or planeswalker spell venture into the dungeon this ability triggers only once each turn and when you have completed a dungeon create a 2-2 green wolf creature token
1: i'm honestly not sure where this card ranks on overall power level i'm not sure if this is a commander card, or if it's a 99 card. It's 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 kind of hard to tell at the moment. It having a, a cast trigger is nice. It only triggers once each turn, but you can mitigate that with flash creatures, of which in green there are a few at least. Um, there's also like Yeva Nature's Herald, which uh, lets you cast green creatures as though they had flash. Uh, that's a way you can get around that, because it triggers only once each turn, not only during your turn. So you can trigger it a few times at least per turn cycle uh it has ward one so it has a little bit of natural protection built in it is a ranger so it has reach and i don't know i just feel like that payoff isn't really enough to put this in the uh the command slot or in the you know as the leader completing a dungeon which is five rooms i think if i'm not mistaken to make a two. i mean if you were
0: going for like a like adventuring deck kind of like you know you're uh Essentially, instead of playing like a game of Commander Magic, you're playing like a half DD game of Commander where it's like you're all venturing into dungeons and you're coming out the other end with something and, you know, you're kind of just like killing off a threat or maybe you're playing like some sort of arch enemy variant of Commander. I can see this where it would have its place being that kind of adventuring Commander. I did think about building this deck over the other deck that i built for the for the youtube channel because i was like ooh it's mono green and it's a human elf ranger and it does dungeony things and that could be really interesting and cool but then it came to the the payoff and that tutu, i mean some of the dungeons are mad like some of the dungeons draw you cards and you know make your opponents lose life and you gain life and they sacrifice things and they discard cards and everything all kind of like effects you don't get in green but i didn't really see the like it, what this wasn't enough i needed a little bit more for it to be a really cool maybe not even just a powerhouse of a card but just like an interesting commander maybe this goes in the 99 of a different green deck maybe but
1: i mean yeah i i would place it among the same lines as like uh tireless tracker or the most recently released card like tireless provisioner uh it's just one of those green cards that accrues value just by existing and for that reason, yeah, you're probably right. It is, a, it is a pretty decent card in the 99 just to be there and coincidentally do stuff. Yeah. You know, as Greek cards are privy to
0: doing. Yeah, I mean, and, and I get that. All right. Last card for our monocolor before we move into the multicolored cards. We have Zalto Fire Giant Duke. It is three red red for a 7-3 Giant Barbarian that has Trample. Got trample paul why has this got trample a- anyway all right we get it james <laughs> uh whenever Zalto fire giant duke is dealt damage venture into the dungeon
1: yeah i mean simple enough uh this kind of falls into the same camp as varus although this one i think you could build around a little more because it is repeatable uh, and there are ways in red to have a creature deal damage to itself especially after ixalan uh, where dinosaurs wanted to be dealt damage. That gave us a few ways to do this. Um, as far as how good that actually is, I don't know. I mean, it's a three-turn clock as a commander by itself, uh, so it kind of has to be blocked at some point. Uh, and even when it does get blocked, it has trample. When it does get blocked, you also get to venture into the dungeon because it's going to be dealt damage. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there are ways to like make creatures uh, take only one damage at a time or something like that. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm curious to see what people do with this card. It is a giant, so I guess giant lovers out there can do stuff with that. Uh, we did get some giant support recently, I believe. In mm-hmm. was it Strixhaven? No, Caldheim. call Caldheim. Yeah, called We got we got some giant support in Caldheim, so uh, this might be pretty good in that in that red blue giant deck. I think it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, it's a three turn clock as a commander, so. Uh, venturing into the dungeon when people are forced to block, seems cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mess with this card, I, I wouldn't- I'd be like, yeah, okay, like, I'll just take the damage, I'd rather do that than, than have you venture into the dungeon and maybe get some value out of it or anything, but then, like you said, three turn clock, that's bad. That is so bad in Commander, uh, <laughs> I hate getting killed with Commander damage, but I also love doing it. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's a double-edged blade for me. Anyway. We're going to move through our combat phase now, and we're going to swing out with every single one of these dragons and monocolored commanders. How do you wish to block? Tell us, tell us, tell us on Twitter. Add us, add us on Twitter, and tell us how you how you would block. Or, or if you're watching this on YouTube, leave a comment in the uh, in the comment section about how you would block. Paul, how would you block? No, I wouldn't. Math okay. is for blockers. All right, you you just take it. All right, that's cool. We're gonna go and hear a message from our sponsors right now. Welcome back from that ad break. Paul took all of his damage, so I guess he is dead. I may need a new co-host for the podcast. I guess hit me up with uh, applications. Let's uh let's move into our main phase two here, and we're gonna be talking about the multicolored commanders in Dungeons and Dragons adventures in the Forgotten Realms. Um, so there's, like I said, there's 16, but we're only going to talk about 14 of them today, uh, because like we said at the start of the episode, Drist do Urden." I did a deck tech on that one for the YouTube channel. So go and check that one out. Um, I'm not even going to read the commander cause I read it over there. So you're all, you're all good to go over there and head over there. Uh, like I said, like that video, subscribe, do everything we told you to do at the start of the episode. And then uh, way back, I think it was about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before Modern Horizons 2 came out, we got spoilers for Modern Horizons 2 and Dungeons and Dragons, uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, and we talked about Tiamat, because he was very, he was probably one of the very first, uh, cards spoiled for the, for this set. So, go and check that out, that episode out, um, I will have that episode linked in the description below, if you want to go and check that one out, and also have the, for our non-YouTube Listeners, I will have the video in the description below as well in the show notes. So go and check all that out. And let's move forward here, Paul, into our very first multicolored commander. And that is Barrowin, the Clan of Undar. It is two and a white and a black for a 3-3 Dwarf Cleric that says, When Barrowin, Clan of Undar enters the battlefield, venture into the dungeon he also says whenever Barrowin of Clan Undar attacks, return up to one target, sorry, one creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield if you've completed a dungeon.
1: This functions very similarly to Alesha, to the point where I would say they are for the for, for the most part a similar Shell. Um, now, they both get to do things that the other doesn't uh, because they have slightly different conditions. Uh, this being mana cost three or less uh, means that you get to get uh, some slightly bigger creatures back. Um, and there are certain creatures that Alesha can't get because they have too much power uh, that would be very nice to get back, which Borrowind would will have access to. Now, the difference between the two is that this requires a little bit more setup but it not having a mana cost attached to being able to use its ability is rather nice uh you do have to complete at least one dungeon which dungeons come in various sizes i actually looked it up uh there is one dungeon that is at a minimum three rooms there is another dungeon that is uh three four five six seven rooms and there's another one that is four rooms uh so you could complete a dungeon relatively quickly And there are a lot of flicker effects in white. Uh, We actually just got a new one in this Dungeons & Dragons set um, that's like four mana. It's basically just Conjurer's Closet for white. Uh, Well, there also is Conjurer's Closet, another way to blink this. Uh, There's also other cards that venture into the dungeon, like the one we mentioned before, uh, Nidar Selfless Paladin. And uh, being able to complete a dungeon in just a few rooms means that you can get this guy online pretty quickly. And that means that you can start, you know, recurring stuff from the graveyard pretty early on. And I'm not sure how powerful this will be as a commander or even as a card, but something tells me that there will be people that will make... Some pretty wild board states off of this card alone. It's also an Uncommon, which
0: is noteworthy. Yeah, I don't think I've ever really built a deck around an Uncommon Commander before. It's always been like Rares and Mythic Rares. Alright, our next multicolored Commander is Bruinor Battlehammer. Two red and a white for a 5-3 Dwarf Warrior that says each creature you control gets plus two, plus zero for each equipment attached to it. You may pay zero rather than pay the equipped cost of the first equip ability you activate each turn. Now,
1: hmm, I'm honestly not a big fan of the, oh, get a bunch of equipment and put it on. You know, the, the, the Voltron-y style of play. Uh, but as far as Voltron commanders go, I actually think that this one is a pretty solid option. If at a bare minimum you get an equipment that gives, I don't know, let's say plus one plus zero. Whatever. Doesn't matter then you get to not only play that equipment, but you get to equip it for free immediately. So let's call it Equipment Haste, just because that's easier for me to say. Um, you get to just equip it like it has haste, uh, and then this thing is immediately an 8-3, just because it has an equipment attached to it. And then, you know, it only scales linearly from there. So the next equipment, even if it's the same one, uh, it'll get another plus 3, plus 0, so it'll be an eleven three. Um, there is an equipment from... Years past, I forgot what it's called, replicating battle axe, something like that. It's an equipment that whenever that creature deals damage, it makes a token of itself. Um, James, come on, I, you know what I'm talking
0: about. I know the card, <laughs> but it's like knowing the card and then being able to pluck that information out of my head.
1: Well, at any rate, this might actually be the deck that I would finally play um, another card that I can't remember. It's a, it's a huge pet card of mine. I can't remember the name of it. Though. Assault Suit. This, this might finally be the deck that I would actually play Assault Suit in, and it would actually be good. You just equip it to this guy for free. It gives a plus two, plus two, and it can't be sacrificed, and you get to give it to other people each turn at the beginning of their upkeep. And then Brunor gets to do a lot of battle hammering.
0: Yeah. Um. So that card you were talking about, Paul, was Bloodforged Battleaxe.
1: There you go. Thank you. It is a, <laughs>
0: it's a one mana equipment, equips for two... Gives a Crip Creature plus two, plus zero, and whenever a Crip Creature deals combat damage to a player, create a token that's a copy of Bloodforged Battle Axe.
1: Yeah, that would be... That, that would kind of be the nuts. But honestly, like, I just think that this card is really good, and it'll be a pretty scary deck. Very powerful for an Uncommon uh, Legendary, for sure.
0: Not as powerful as Tatiova, but still relatively up there. Alright, so we have... Faradar Devil's Chosen is our next one. And he's two blue and a red for a 3-3 Tiefling Warlock. Has, uh, I guess this is a, this is a, it's a triggered ability. So it's called one, uh, Dark One's Own Luck. Whenever you roll one or more dice, Faradar Devil's Chosen gains flying and menace until end of turn. If any of those results was 10 or higher, draw a card. <clears throat>
1: um, funny to note about dice rolling. Um, there are cards in the set that let you roll dice, but there's also a card from the Plane Chase set. Um, and I can't remember the name of that card off the top of my head. Um, I think I have one right next to me that I can pull up real quick. Here it is, Fractured Power Stone. Uh, it is a two mana mana rock that lets uh, you can also tap to roll the Planar die. Um, that typically only has anything to do in Plane Chase, but it still apparently counts as rolling a dice. And so people have been uh, fiddling with that just to get these uh, dice rolling triggers off. And I think we're still waiting on official uh, ruling on that to to see if that actually does work. Uh, If it does, then that'll be a cool way to reliably get this trigger off. But even without that, I think something that depends on dice rolling is inherently going to be on the Uyghur end of things because without that dice rolling you know this just has a blank text box it's just a four mana three three and i don't really think there's much to do with that
0: no i agree with you on that one paul so i mean i have nothing else to really say about this if you want to move on to the next one yeah we have gretchen Titchwillow, which is oh boy they've done it again Uh, it's Simic, so it is green and a blue for a 0-4 halfling druid with an activated ability of 2 and Simic. Draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. It's Thrasios, without partner, and a little bit more colour dependent to activate its uh, activated ability, but I mean, you get to draw more cards, and you get to put more lands in the battlefield, and what does Simic love to do? Draw cards and ramp.
1: I've, I've seen a lot of people refer to this as... The uh, you know, like a like a baby Thrasios or just like another Thrasios, and there are slight differences be- between the two, but for the most part,
0: let's be honest, they
1: are pretty much functionally identical.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, Thrasios lets you. It, it, Thrasios, sorry, sorry. Thrasios reveals a top card, and then if it's a land, you put on the battlefield tapped, otherwise, you put it into your hand. So I guess well, you get to draw one first. Yeah, sorry, you get to draw one. Yeah, so I guess it kind of gets around like draw cards like whole breacher effects and everything where this one doesn't so i mean there is slight variations and slight differences between the two cards but essentially they work the same
1: well thrasios also lets you see two cards maximum whereas this one will only ever see one because you just draw the card i don't know like i said there's minor differences but uh worth noting this is also a freaking uncommon again uh so, you know, just busted Simic Uncommons doing busted Simic Uncommon things, I guess.
0: It's just Simic doing Simic.
1: It's um, also not even like a zero one one or a zero two. 2 It's a zero four. 4 It's a pretty big uh, blocker.
0: Yeah, it doesn't even die there. to bolt. doesn't die to shock. <laughs> doesn't... I mean, it's like a wall. I mean, she's a halfling druid, and she has the same defense as a wall. Like, I think mnemonic wall is a 4 mana 0-4? 5 mana okay so it's a five mana zero four with an etb to get a uh, instant or sorcery back out of the graveyard but still this thing is a two mana zero four just use it like a wall damn it <laughs> that can attack because it hasn't got defender and it draws you a card and puts a land on the battlefield uh wizards i don't know what you guys are doing with simic but you guys need to simmer down a little bit here and just uh you know give some other other color combinations some love um and with saying that, let's move on to the next one. We have Hamar Peshaw, Ruin Seeker, is one white and a blue for a 2-3 human wizard that says room abilities of dungeons you own trigger an additional time. There are three dungeons,
1: for those of you who don't know. There is the Tomb of Annihilation, the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, and Lost Mine of Phandelver. Uh, the Tomb of Annihilation can be completed quickly but it has a lot of negative things to it. Uh, The Lost Mine of Phandelver is like the medium one where the effects that you get are mediocre, uh, but you can complete it in just four rooms. The Dungeon of the Mad Mage is seven rooms, but the effects that you get, especially the last one, are particularly powerful. And being that this one is a wizard... I'm guessing that they are trying to gear you towards going for the Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Um, At the very end, you get to draw three cards and reveal them, and you get to cast one without paying its mana cost. So having that one trigger twice seems pretty powerful. And there are other ones along the way, like right before that, you get to scry three. So getting to scry three twice would be pretty good. Uh, even before that, you get to make two one ones, or you get to exile the top two cards of your library and play them, which with this lady means that it would be exile four cards or make four one one black skeletons. Um I, I I could see with that with doing that dungeon how this commander would be particularly powerful. And I think this one is actually just probably more geared towards limited play because it isn't uncommon uh just three mana two three azorius but depending on how much dungeon support we get in these colors which it seems like we're actually getting a lot i think this could actually be a pretty fun commander
0: yeah i also love Panharmonicon effects on creatures but i'm uh i'm happy to move on to the next one paul if you are yeah cool so we have calaine reclusive painter It is black and a red for a one two human elf bard that says when Killane Reclusive Painter enters the battlefield, create a treasure token. So it really just costs one mana because you get one back. And it says whenever creatures, sorry, other creatures you control enter the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on them for each mana from a creature spent to cast them.
1: Now, before we talk about the card, let's note okay. that this is a human elf. Mm. That's interesting, right?
0: Well, I mean, that's essentially would be, this would be uh, Magic's way of saying it's a half elf.
1: Right, but is it not in lore that is it not canon that humans and elves don't really like each other?
0: In D anD D, I am not one hundred percent sure.
1: Okay, maybe I'm wrong
0: on that. Um, but but also, also I w- I just I just want to point out real quick that they did the blood artist thing again in this with this card. Uh the painting the the painting that the painter is painting is another card in the set. It's called the Spicer Beast. Gotta love it. But also, sorry. Are
1: bards known for art? I thought it was. Just I mean,
0: music. bards can be uh, creative, and creativity doesn't just flow in one direction; it flows in multiples. So, a good musician may also be a good painter. Um, they I, may have I guess. a. It may have an an aristocratic style upbringing, in which they just you know loved playing the lute, or I can't even see what kind of instrument this bard would be, would be playing. Um, yeah, it's kind of a weird like, class type to give a reclusive painter, but maybe he was a bard. Sorry, maybe they were a bard before they uh, became a recluse painter and decided to paint, like, one of the strongest cards in the, in the set. Well, whatever the case may be,
1: let's talk about the actual card now.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. a 2 mana 1-2 well, that makes a treasure. Let's not speculate.
1: So it's essentially a 1 mana 1-2. Um, and it is a Master Biomancer if you use treasures. So you get to, like, customize, I guess, how many plus one plus one counters that you want on uh, your creatures. You know, whatever value that may have to you. Uh, But it's in black and red. And those are the two probably most popular colors for making treasures. Um, Insofar as I would probably say that they are the two best colors right now for making treasures, old mob bone aside. And I'm curious how you can really, like, abuse that ability just to make something very large right like what in red and black would you want to make extremely large grave titan just so it doesn't die you'd want to make your commander rather large godo maybe eh,
0: what
1: what cares about plus one plus one counters enough that you would want to run this as your commander
0: i feel like you're actually asking me this question it's it's more talking to myself (laughs) i mean i i get that i don't really know besides like Maybe just wanting to run, I don't know, maybe going wide and slightly tall by playing goblins, maybe? I don't know. Uh I haven't really ventured too much into the Ractus oh uh, in
1: uh new new uh new new uh new Krenko. Oh Tin Street Kingpin.
0: Uh, Tin Street Kingpin. Yeah, because then he makes you know goblins equal to his power when he attacks. Yeah. I'm not That's sure how many effects
1: thing. there are like that, but that would be a pretty good one. And uh depending on how many effects
0: like that there are uh, Kalein might actually be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I I don't doubt it, honestly. Uh, we're gonna move on to the next one here, which is Cradle of Boulder's Gate. It is, it's, uh, blue and a black for a 1-3 human elf rogue. There it is again, Paul. Uh, when Cradle of Boulder's Gate deals combat damage to a player, that player loses one life and mills a card. Then you gain one life and scry one. It also says whenever you attack, you may pay two generic mana. If you do, target Creature can't be blocked this turn. I th- I'm i pretty sure that the scry should have been draw a card, but whatever. We
1: take what we can get, especially when it can guarantee that it, can a- that it itself can attack. And not just itself, but it can also make sure that your other value creatures can attack or can get through if you want them to. Uh, it is a rogue. That is noteworthy for... I know that some people are playing rogues because of that commander that came out with Zendikar. Um, Having to pay two mana for it, though, it's a little on the steep side, but to guarantee a little bit of card advantage, and I guess for coincidental mill, um, it also does say that it's whenever you attack, not whenever it attacks. So no matter what's attacking, you always have the option to pay two to make something not be blocked this turn. So you could even just play this as a way to make your commander unblockable. in whatever your blue-black X deck is. Um, you can make sure that your consuming aberration, however large it is, gets through. Um, honestly, I think the second paragraph on this card is more important than the first one. And I know that might seem a little disgraceful, but that is a pretty powerful effect.
0: Yeah, I mean, you would play this in Yuriko, um, in So you can make a creature unblockable and then command a ninjutsu out Yuriko and get the Yuriko trigger.
1: Well, yeah, or you could just make Yuriko unblockable if you can't put it back in your hand.
0: Completely fair as well. Um, (laughs) Why not do both? (laughs) You know? Uh, All right. Let's move on to the next one here, Paul. We have, I, I love this card so much because we nailed it. We almost called it 100%. On the last episode of the podcast, where we were talking about the te- the, the teaser trailers, oh, sorry, the teaser statements from Mark Rosewater, and this is Minsk, beloved Ranger. It's in Nile and we called it. So, <laughs> uh, red, green, white for a three-three human Ranger. This is when Minsk, beloved Ranger, enters the battlefield. Create Boo, a legendary one-one red hamster creature token with trample and haste. Trample and haste. Uh, Also has an activated ability of X until end of turn target creature you control has base power and toughness XX and becomes a giant in addition to its other types activate only as a sorcery. I don't know
1: why that ability is only sorcery speed. It really should not have been.
0: There was no reason for it to be.
1: Now, that aside, I'm not really sure as much as I love the design of this card, not even of the card. Just of the characters, it, it it's a it's a dude that likes to be by himself. That you know has a hamster that he loves. I'm I I really want this card to be playable, but I'm honestly not sure where
0: it goes or how it does that. Yeah, because it's not like you can, it's not like Gearhead where like you know he comes out with a rhino and because then on legendary you can just keep making more rhinos and when he attacks he makes rhinos. You can't really populate or create multiple copies of of uh, of Boo because it's legendary. Um, and then he's just like a, I don't know, he's a different version of the god that does this effect where he doubles the power and toughness of a creature and gives it haste. Xenagos. Like Xenagos, that's it. Yeah, he's just a different version of Xenagos, and I, I don't like that they have this as a sorcery, considering you want to be attacking in Naya, and the best way to really like psych your opponents out is to, you know, just have all your mana up. Don't worry about you main phase one, don't play a land, just draw a card, go to combat, and just swing. And you have 11 mana up, and they go, oh, maybe I won't block, or, you know, whatever I don't block is then going to be pumped and become a giant as well. And it's that kind of threat analysis that they need to worry about with having mana open in Naya colors. But because this is activated at a sorcery speed only, you're going kind to of have to do it before you attack, which feels really clunky and kind of bad for Naya and then you go into it i guess like in no world would i ever want a pump spell at sorcery speed and unfortunately we're in a world where we have a pump spell at sorcery speed well not only ability. that
1: but it also for flavor reasons it doesn't really make sense that he can make any creature that you control have base power and toughness xx and become a giant because in lore boo is a giant ham- a giant space hamster we yeah. talked about this in our last episode. So it's kinda of weird that Minsk can target himself and make himself a giant. And I feel like Boo should have just been a large hamster instead of having that last line of text. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But one thing one cool thing that you can do with uh Minsk, since it uh does not specify that X can't be zero, is you can since you're in red, uh, take other people's creatures with like threaten effects. Um and kill them by making them zero zeros when they're on your field
0: huh that's deliciously delightful (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i don't know i i love the characters i love that they made this into a card but i really feel like that activated ability should have been at instant It could just at any time you can do that and i'm cool with boo coming out as a as a one one like he is kind of tiny in the card and everything and because he is a giant space hamster i make sense i i really wish this was just maybe you know like x mana uh you know boo you control or like you know you you just get to pump boo instead of pumping other things because like you said it doesn't make sense that he can turn any creature into a giant including himself it's not really a thing but i don't know i mean we haven't seen everything in the set yet we've just seen what's come out so far so maybe this has a play space in limited maybe it also becomes a commander maybe it just goes in the 99 of other You know, other Naya commander decks, like maybe it goes in Gishath where you can just pump Gishath and then, you know, haste, trample and vigilance it out and kind of just make it massive and flip more dinosaurs maybe. I don't know. But what I do know is our next card is, has really, really awesome art and it is, it is Orcus, Prince of Undeath. It is X, two generic mana, black and a red. For a 5-3 Legendary Demon with Flying and Trample, and also when Orcus, Prince of Death enters the battlefield, choose one. Each other creature gets minus X minus X till end of turn, and you lose X life. Return up to X target creature cards with total mana value X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, they gain haste until end of turn.
1: I was actually this is one of the cards I was looking at the most before we started recording because it seems like it would be so good but that is a lot of mana to pump to 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 kill, you know, the average sized creature which for for the purposes of, you know, me not wanting to think about it too much, we'll say is 3. So, in order to kill things that have 3 toughness or less, you got to pay 7 mana for this at a bare minimum. And I'm trying to think, is that worth it for a 5-3 Flying Trampler that would come in, doesn't even have haste, but it would come in and it would be by itself. It would be the only thing on the battlefield. And I honestly want to say no. <laughs> I feel like there are better things to do with that mana. So for that reason, I don't think this is a Command Zone card. But in the 99, like in the late game, when you have a bunch of mana available to you and not really much to do it with do with it, Sorry. Uh, having this be either a reanimation spell or a board wipe, whichever one you need, means that it can fill either of those slots. And I think for that reason, in the 99, this card is actually pretty good. Because let's say, I don't know, let's say you have nine mana. You can make yourself a 5-3 and you can kill everything that's got five toughness or less, for example. Um, I'm sure there are ways to like cheese this that I'm not thinking of. And honestly, I don't want to think about it too much because we do still have a few creatures left to get through. Um, but I'd actually really... Th- I'm very interested in this card and what people think of it. So if you could, uh, if you're hearing this on YouTube, leave a comment down below with uh, your thoughts on it. Or if you're uh, one of our Twitter followers, uh, feel free to tweet at us over there. Because I, I, I actually do want to uh, hear about this card.
0: Yeah, and if you're not a Twitter, Twitter follower, just go and follow us on Twitter. Hit us up. Let us know what you think of Orca's Prince of Undeath. Because we're going to move on to the next one, because we've still got a, a decent handful of cards to talk about, and we're kind of running out of time here a little bit. Uh, we have Shesra Death's Whisper. It is two black and a green for a 1-3 human elf warlock with an ETB that is called Bewitching Whispers. So, when Chesra Death's Whisper enters the battlefield, target creature blocks this turn, if able, and also has a triggered ability called Whispers of the Grave. At the beginning of your end step, if a creature died this turn, you may pay 2 life if you do draw a card.
1: I have a huge problem with this card, mechanically, and it is that Whispers of the Grave is literally just Morbid with a different name. And I don't like that they did that. Um, I understand why they did it, you know, for flavor reasons, because D&D, you know, there's like there's names of spells and such, or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I guess these are meant to be events that would happen, like, oh, you hear Whispers of the Grave, like blah, 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 whatever. But it is literally just morbid, and that can be kind of confusing for newer players um, to have two abil- identical abilities with different names. But that aside... Uh, this is actually another pretty popular, not popular, powerful, uncommon commander. Uh, it makes something block, so it is a removal spell when it enters a battlefield. Uh, and when that creature that you have chosen dies, which I'm assuming you're playing this with the intention of killing that creature, uh, you get to draw a card off of it. And while you only get that ETB once, unless you blink this thing, Uh, you do get to do the Whispers of the Grave ability at the beginning of your end step, you know, every time a creature dies. So on your next turn, if a creature dies, you get to pay another two life and draw a card. Um, You're in black and green, which have a ton of removal, a a metric butt ton. Uh, So I don't know. I feel like this, again, not really a commander or a Command Zone card, but definitely worth considering in the 99. Um, honestly, I would probably even play this in, like, Muldrotha, because it is a repeatable removal spell that also draws
0: cards. Yeah, actually, I'd play it in Muldrotha as well. All right, so the next one we have here is Targna Demon Fanged Knoll. It is red and a green for a 2-2 Legendary Creature Knoll with Pack Tactics. Uh, so that says, whenever Targna Demon Fang Knoll attacks... If you attack with creatures with total power six or greater this combat, attacking creatures get plus zero sorry, plus one, plus zero until end of turn, and has an activated ability of two red and a green to double Tagnar's power and toughness until end of turn.
1: This is the opposite of the other uncommon commanders, where I think it doesn't belong at all in the ninety-nine. I think this is exclusively a command zone card. For the very command zone card. (laughs) if solely for the reason that it's it's the doubling of its power and toughness is repeatable it just costs four mana and then you know uh it becomes a 4/4 four, four, then an 8/8 eight, eight, then a 16/16 16, 16, then a 32/32 which means that if you want to one shot somebody then uh you need to activate it what three times by my math yeah uh, Two goes to four, four goes to eight. No, sorry. No, three times, yeah. Two goes to four, four goes to eight, eight goes to 16. Four times. You need to activate four times. Then it's 32. Um, that, that is assuming that you have no equipment or you know power altering things, no double strike or whatever. Um, and that's honestly kind of frightening, especially if you have uh, that card that was just released in Strixhaven commander set, uh, Battle Mages Bracers, because that means that you can get an activation for one mana instead of four. And that means that all of a sudden you're attacking with an 8-8 for 5 mana, which is yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, but if
0: <laughs> if you attack with an 8-8 with this, it'd be a 9-9 because it gets a plus 1 plus 0 because you attacked with power 6 or greater. Yes. So, if you wanted to also play that card that you just t- said end uh, Rings of Bright Earth, you could activate this and then for half of this mana, activate Rings of Bright Earth to then double th- uh, to, to you know, do this trigger again to then get double activations for 6 mana instead of 8. Yeah,
1: you could also play uh, uh, Illusionist Bracers. That's the yeah. one. Illusionist Bracers, which lets you get another copy of a, an activated ability, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: activated ability. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Illusionist Bracers would be really good. Morog, Fury of because you're in red, and you probably want to be ramping, and you could then just do multiple combats that also get you a plus 1, plus 0 whenever you attack with it. So I can see this being seize the day oh seize the day yes <laughs> aggravated assault in this deck as well oh man did we just build a whole brand new gruel <laughs> attack deck um, i think we
1: did <laughs> i'm sure somebody out
0: there has thought of this by now oh yeah but totally. uh,
1: it, it 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 does sound for an uncommon commander it does sound pretty threatening
0: yeah and it's a null too nulls are pretty vicious And so I think flavor reasons, like for flavor reasons and also for like mechanics reasons and the rarity that it's at as well. This thing is like my favorite card of the set. 100%. Hands down. All right, Paul, we only only got a couple of cards to talk about before we are out of here for the week. Uh, We have Trellisara Moondancer. It is green and a white for a 2-2 Elf Cleric that says when you gain life, put a plus one plus one counter on Trellisara Moondancer and Scrywan.
1: Simple enough. Um, Really not much to say about this card. Um, In green and white, you have a... (laughs) I'm not even sure how many ways to gain life. A lot.
0: I believe it's a uh, a
1: metric butt ton. (laughs) Yeah, that is the phrase (laughs) that I used before. And uh, feel free to use the same metrics as me if you want. Um, But it's actual payoff for gaining life. It's not just getting bigger. You're actually getting card advantage off of gaining life. And I'm not sure how much we've seen that, uh, if at all. But I actually really like, especially the fact that it's uncommon, I really like an actual payoff for gaining life. That is something that people have been asking for for a very, very long time. Something that's not just getting large, you know, another payoff. And here it is. You're actually getting, uh, not a card advantage, I suppose, card selection. Uh, You get to scry one every time you gain life. And there are... Like I said, a lot of ways. There's one in particular that I'm trying to remember that would be very good here. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, though. W- whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm sure everybody out there... It's it's like, it's like a green-white elf from, from Lorwyn. You can pay a hybrid green-white and X and, like, tap it, I think, and you gain X life. I don't know. Whatever. Um, soul sister cards would also be really good here, like Soul Warden, Soul's Attendant, um...
0: And the green one, Essence Warden.
1: Essence Warden, the two double white ones that I can't remember. Whatever. I, I used to play Soul Sisters in Modern, and I can't remember the name of this this, uh, this stupid card. I mean, that's fair. I've never, <laughs> played, I've never <laughs> played with the Soul Auriak Sisters. Oriak Champion. This, or,
0: or, yeah, Oriak Champion. I mean, that's yeah. the one. Oriak uh, Champion. Uh, the Ajani <laughs> Planeswalker that makes Ajani's Pride Mates would be really good, too um if you wanted to go the elf strat because this is an elf you could go like wellwisher and you could tap it to gain life for each elf you control in the battlefield or e- each elf on the battlefield sorry
1: yeah which um, trellisara is an elf
0: yeah i mean there's a lot of things you can do to gain life in in this game and you could do a lot of things to get payoffs and being able to scry one is just probably one of the best things you can do with payoff with gaining life because who doesn't love gaining life and in these colors you can gain life almost infinitely so you can scry your whole deck
1: yeah, which honestly if you if like if you wanted a commander to set up a combo in green white, this is not a bad choice, especially if you're on a budget.
0: Yeah. I mean you just gain one life, scry one, gain one life, scry one. Uh there's there's a artifact that I can't remember its name at the top of my head right now. I feel like I'm poor right now. But at your at the beginning of your upkeep you gain a life. So you were just at your upkeep, gain one life, scry one, look at what you're about to draw, pitch it. They're actually uh
1: into. if you're in uh I can't remember the, the Bant, if you're in Bant, green, white, blue, I actually just thought of a combo that you could do. Uh if you have Trellisara, um Elageth, Crossroads Augur, and there's like a there's like a, a bird, I think, or a, a griffin maybe from the original Theros set. It's two, a green and a blue, three, two flying. Whenever you draw a card, you gain a life. Man, and it requires
0: you to be in yeah, in band. I mean that's not yeah. bad, honestly. Um, like you scry one, draw a you, you draw a card because of Elgaeth, and then the other one triggers because you draw a card, you gain a life. You keep going, you draw your whole library. Yeah, but you would have to figure out a way to stop that, otherwise you would just end up decking yourself.
1: Yeah, well you're in blue. You have like uh, Lab Man, yes Lab Man. You have yeah Lab
0: Jace. Yeah, Lab Jace wouldn't be bad. Uh, I mean, you probably wouldn't play Thoses because you wouldn't be able to stop the combo.
1: You would if you had <laughs> Aether Vial. <laughs>
0: We're just playing modern at this point. We're not even playing Commando. <laughs> let's just... All right, we're moving on. Moving on to the next one. We're not here to talk about modern, even though Modern Horizons is, is on the rise. Uh, let's move on to Volo Guide to Monsters. It is 2 and Simix, a green and a blue. For a 3-2 human wizard, this is whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. Which means you copy uh you make a copy of the creatures so you would come down with two of them i believe
1: yeah so the it's not very intuitive cuz this is still a new concept to magic uh but when you copy a creature on the stack it becomes a token on the stack and then it enters the battlefield as a token
0: yeah so I was you trying would to, have like figure out how to read two creatures on the stack yeah cuz was trying to figure out how to read the uh the reminder text on here, but it says a copy of a creature spell becomes a token. And doesn't really, you know, I'm like, okay. Like that, Think of it like no, storm. It yeah. No, I mean that I mean it makes sense. Like I get it. It was just like for a new player, probably doesn't quite understand because I mean I knew when I came back to Magic all these new terms got added back, like like a creature is a spell and all this other stuff. And I'm like, what? Or it's like counter target spell, counter target non creature spell, and I'm like, what's a non creature spell? You know, it's just kind of like, all right, cool. So this one's just yeah, like you said, it's a little bit intuitive to a, uh, a a newer player, which is this is a standard set. So I mean, they did the same thing with Lithiform Engine, where you get to count, you get to uh, create a copy of a creature spell on the stack. Um, I don't know. I like Volo. I looked at building Volo, but again, it's just Simic doing Simic things. You get to, you know, just make a lot of creatures really quickly, and you get a ramp and you're going to draw cards because you're in blue and you're in green, and you're going to be yeah you, you, you're gonna be in creature strats so i guess this doesn't really have a payoff unless you were to play lots of green and blue creatures that don't share type with your in your graveyard or the battlefield to maybe do x with etbs so i mean it'd be kind of hard you know what i mean like you can't really run more than one kind of elf so you can't really run wreck Sage without running a different kind of elf or like moldrift is an elemental so that'd be kind of hard it'd be I don't know. I think it'd be a little bit difficult to make this this guy really pop off the way that people may want him to. Um, but I now, guess it's just here's just Simic doing Simic.
1: Here's the thing. I know it's tempting to say that this is Simic doing Simic things, but I, I would argue this actually kind of breaks Simic a little bit. Or like it diverges away a little bit because it does one of two things. One, it promotes you playing, and I'm going to use a Hearthstone term here only because I don't have a different way to explain it. Uh it promotes you playing a menagerie style of deck, which menagerie just means that you're playing a bunch of different creature types. It's like the opposite of tribal.
0: Like you do, you do you don't play more than one type of creature.
1: Right. Uh which means that since Volo is already two very popular creature types, both human and wizard, it kind of encourages you to go outside of the box and reach into creature types that you might not otherwise have played. Maybe a Gorgon. Maybe a uh a, a Griffin. Maybe a uh, a hippogriff. I don't know. Whatever the case may be. It encourages people to kind of think outside the box and play things that they might otherwise not, which is the whole point of Commander, right? Um, yeah. The other thing it might do is encourage people to, well, still think outside the box, but in a different way. Uh, you know, find ways to like, phase your creatures out. Because when they're phased out, they don't count as being in the battlefield, so when you play a creature with Volo, um, you get to copy it, even if that phased out creature has the same type and there are ways in blue to do that. Cause that used to be a blue mechanic. Um, yeah. Back in
0: Mirage, wasn't it when they added phasing?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. Mirage. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think either way, it, this card is actually encouraging people, even if they are playing Simic to do things that they wouldn't typically do. You know, you're not really playing those Simic staples anymore especially since a lot of them are legendary and it do- and Volo doesn't really matter for that because you can't have more than one of a legendary
0: creature. All right, you've swayed me. I can't say Simic doing Simic things with Volo. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I just I feel like uh if you were to gift somebody like an Vastwood Nexus slash like Arcane Adaptation card through any means necessary, you would really just like pretty much shut off the volo deck until they got rid of that enchantment or artifact
1: uh yeah i mean that's one way to do it but that's an extremely niche scenario that i'm pretty sure would come up maybe 0.0001 percent of the time
0: but they're the ratios and percentages that i love paul (laughs) (laughs) all right let's do our last card here paul before we sign off for the week and that is xanathar guild kingpin four and demir so Blue and a black for a 5-6 legendary creature beholder. Not a creature I'd ever thought I'd see in magic. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, choose target opponent until end of turn. That player can't cast spells. You may look at the top card of their library anytime. You may play that play the top card of their library. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast spells this way.
1: The obvious card to compare this to. And it is the one that I have seen most people comparing this to, is Centriplets. Mm-hmm. This is basically send triplets minus White, and instead of using that opponent's hand, uh, you get to use the top of their library. Now, there are benefits and detriments to both of them. Uh, Xanathar, when the opponent is empty-handed or has very few cards in hand or has just lands in hand, uh, Xanathar can potentially get more gas off the top. Um, Xanathar also fixes the problem that Centriplets had uh, by letting you spend mana as though we're mana of any color to cast those spells. Uh, Centriplets does not have this text, so you either have to play your opponent's lands or use multicolored lands of your own or have a way to make your lands tap for any color of mana, whatever the case may be. So those are a couple of the good parts about Xanathar. However, Xanathar is privy to the same issues as the Citadel where you can absolutely just completely brick off the top of the deck. Not only that, but you don't get to see their hand. So if your opponent is sandbagging like a combo piece or something, you don't know that with Xanathar, and you can't take it from them. Send triplets, on the other hand. People love to keep goodies in their hand. Uh, you get to play those goodies. I have ruined many people's combos. I have actually pulled off other people's combos with send triplets. True story um you can also just run out of gas with triplets, but there are a lot of ways especially in blue to give everybody cards and it's very easy to help people refill their hands so all in all i've seen people argue that xanathar is better i honestly think that it belongs in the 99 of triplets. Uh, especially since with Centropos, you get access to white, which means that you have some pretty good removal. Um,
0: yeah, I'd argue you have the best removal in white with Swords of Plasha and uh, Path to Exile-like effects.
1: Yeah, you also have some really good artifact enchantment removal. Um, but I understand why people, especially if you just like Beholders, that is another thing this card has going for, it is that it's a unique creature type. And honestly, the art is like kind of cool. It's just, you know, it's this Beholder sitting in front of a bunch of uh, people and he's just got this like real smug grin on his face. It's a, it's a cool card for sure. And I understand why people would want to play it if it was for that reason. Um, personally, I think Sen Triplets is better, but this card is also like, it's not that far behind.
0: It's not. And I have nothing else to say about it because you just got the rundown from the Sen Triplets player. I've never played Sen Triplets, I've been played... Uh, I played against Centriplets. I've actually played against Paul playing Centriplets. And it wasn't uh, that it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was okay. Uh I didn't see you do the whole take my combo thing, but that's just uh you, you call me a monster for playing combos. You play other people's combos. I mean
1: that's their fault for playing combos. What are,
0: <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> uh and with that, that is the End of our breakdown of all of the brand new uh monocolored dragons, multicolored uh legendaries in Dungeons and Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realm. Uh I know that there may be more coming out soon. So if there is any more coming out, Uh, before preview season ends. We will cover those in a future episode, so don't worry, we will get to them. Um, Don't be like, oh, hey, you guys missed X, Y, and Z. It's like, nope, we will do it in the future, and if you listen to that episode and don't know we did this one, we'll link it, and you can go back and listen to this one, because we don't really miss much. Uh, And with that, I'm going to uh, go, we're going to go to our end step, and we're going to clean up a little bit here. Uh, If you want to get at us and keep the conversation going about which commander is the best in this set, you can do that on Twitter, And Instagram at CMDR at Arms. Uh, If you want to check out the YouTube channel, it is Commander at Arms on YouTube. We do deck techs, unboxings, the podcast is there as well. Uh, We're going to eventually, hopefully, have uh, gameplay coming out very shortly, very soon. I'm still learning the ropes on video editing. Um, We have the TCG affiliate link, so if you need these cards, this if you need sealed product of this, or singles from Modern Horizons, or anything else you want to gift stuff to your friends, as well as uh, you want to buy online and support your local game stores, you can do that through TCG Player, and use our affiliate link, helps us, you know, keep the lights on here at the the studio, and that is TCG.com sorry, TCGPlayer.com slash Commander at Arms, look at me, I'm messing up my own affiliate link, Uh, we also have our merch shirt so we have our commander at arms logo on a super soft bella canvas shirt i love mine i wear it every time i record an episode um, go and check it out the link will be in the description or the show notes below uh and then we have the patreon uh, all patrons and all new patrons get a shout out and our undying love uh and your support helps to keep the lights on here and helps us to keep Generating more content for you, so you can go and become a patron at Patreon.com/slash Commander at Arms. Paul, do you have anything you want to say? Um, thank you to everybody who is listening,
1: even if this is the first and last episode you ever have or ever will listen to. It means a lot to me and James that you did take the time to do so. So thank you for that. Uh, if you liked what you heard, uh, please feel free to share our name around within your friend groups within your play groups uh you know just get our name out there me and james are always looking for opportunities to grow and meet new people and your word of mouth really helps us a lot in that goal and with that i'm james and i'm paul
0: and you've been listening to the newest episode of the commander arms podcast peace see ya